News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, the Pete Callender Show. Welcome. Thanks so much for listening, for hanging out, and letting me hang out with you. I appreciate it. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Never encourage a child to keep a secret from her parents. That's what we used to say, says Abigail Schreier. That's what we used to say when we believed that there was a sacred boundary that encircled every American home. Last week, she says, I spoke with another mother who discovered her 12-year-old daughter's middle school had changed the girl's name and gender identity at school. The so-called gender support plan that the district followed is an increasingly standard document which informs teachers of a child's new chosen name and gender identity. For uh, They use these terms and names for all internal communications with the child. The school also provided the girl a year's worth of counseling in support of her new identity, which in her case was no gender. So you could do that, apparently, now. You just have no gender at all. I don't understand that one, but I don't understand a lot of the irrationality of postmodernism. Anyway, even the P.E. teachers were in on all of this. Left in the dark, though, her parents. This uh, duplicity is part of the plan. All documents that get sent home to mom and dad maintain the daughter's birth name and sex. So they're sending stuff home to mom and dad that has what mom and dad named their kid. So mom and dad are not aware of anything going on that the school is doing. But mom noticed her daughter seemed to be suffering. Because mom loves her daughter and mom sees her daughter and mom recognizes changes in her daughter and says, hmm, something is going wrong. Although far from alone in declaring a new identity, many girls in the school had adopted new names and gender pronouns. This girl's grades fell apart. She became taciturn and moody. When the mother failed to uncover the source of the girl's distress, she met with the teachers, hoping for insight. Instead, she slammed into a wall of silence. No teacher was evidently willing to let a worried mom know what the hell was going on. Could you imagine... Finally, one teacher did. Abigail Schreier, who has a, she has a Substack, I believe this is where I pulled this from her website, or maybe she writes at persuasion.com, I forget, but you can follow her. I think it's on Substack. And uh, she says, when I wrote my book, Irreversible Damage, I documented that California and other public school systems had adopted a policy of creating two sets of documents around minors, students, gender. Similar policies have cropped up across the country, modeled on the one created by the activist organization called Gender Spectrum. So a gender support plan or any similar scheme affects a school-wide conspiracy to create a secret name and gender identity that is specifically withheld from parents. That is what they are doing in certain school districts. I don't know if they're doing it in your school, in your kid's school. I do not know. You'll have to go find out. You will. You should. Is there anything else that you would be okay with the school helping your teenager cover up? Because that's what teenagers do. Take it from me. I was a teenager, and I did some covering up. Teachers and activists who support this policy typically make two arguments in its favor. Here they are. Okay? So remember these. I'm arming you with information because I'm a giver. The first argument, 
is that the very fact that a teenager would want to keep her new gender identity a secret from parents is proof that her home is, quote, unsafe. Sorry, her house. We can't call it the home. Just like they're houseless, it's home, not homeless anymore, so it's, right. So the house is unsafe. Her family setting is unsafe. That's why she's afraid. This is just automatically assumed as one of the primary reasons. Okay. She calls that notion absurd. We'll get to that in a second. The second argument you will hear is that this gender declaration is a deeply held and personal decision of the child's. The school in this scenario is merely a polite bystander. At most, a kindly chaperone, if you will. It's not the school's job to ask mom and dad for their approval. They are simply serving the child. That is a dishonest argument. So, first off, why would a teenager agree to keep a secret from her parents if not for the presence of abuse? That's the, that's the first argument. There's no other reason why a teenager would possibly try to hide something from mom and dad. Oh, yes, because as we all know, teenagers don't ever keep stuff from mom and dad, particularly things that might not be particularly healthy or legal, right? Teenagers would never engage in that kind of behavior. No, no, best to inform mom and dad of all things all the time. The primary motivation to keep secrets from parents is not the fear of abuse. That is not it. Sometimes it's, a, it's an attempt to avoid a lecture, a conversation, or no. Why? Because I said so. They want to avoid that. They don't want to have the confrontation. And so here you have the school that says, whatever you want, whatever you would like. That's what the schools want to avoid as well, too. They want to avoid the lecture, the no, because I said so, I'm her parent. They want to avoid that as well. There isn't any other reason to keep this a secret. Because if you believe that, oh, if I go home, I'm going to be abused, what, your parents are going to beat you up because you have a, a, a gender dysphoria? That's what, So you think you're going to be going home to abuse? Well, then that's a reportable offense, right? That You are a mandated reporter. In the school district. The nonstop sex and gender celebration that begins in many public school kindergartens is an attempt to liberate children from any traces of sexual innocence, she says. Very often, parents lack the time and, frankly, the dark imagination necessary to uncover what their kids are being taught. When parents object to a teacher or principal, they're frequently met with, at best, polite confusion. Why, what's the problem? We're just a safe space here. And they get, parents get nowhere with this. There is a peculiar power imbalance that has arisen in the public school setting. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm going to say it like that. WBT. Pete Callender here, reading from Abigail Schreier's Substack post, and that last name is spelled, by the way, S-H-R-I-E-R. She's the author of a book called Irreversible Damage, and she had a piece um, last year talking about public schools. Should they be allowed to deceive parents? And the obvious answer there is no. 
they should not. But she talks about a peculiar power imbalance that has arisen between public school teachers and the parents for whom the necessity of work renders them too dependent on these schools to question them. Parents discover radical materials pushed on their kids by accident, usually like passers-by happening on a crime scene. They're treated as interlopers, trespassers. They're made to understand they have no right to be there. Information on the ideology pushed on their kids is revealed on a strictly need-to-know basis. And when parents do object to classroom gender ideology, they're treated as morally obtuse or child abusers. She makes a great point here, and I need to you know, say this on the front end, hashtag not all teachers. And she says, I mean no disrespect to teachers. When I point out the obvious, though, is that the moment a middle schooler whom they've encouraged to transition, the minute that middle schooler graduates on to high school, the teacher more or less wash their hands of them. Right? Think about it. There, You could probably think about or count on one hand how many teachers you yourself remained friends with or close with after you moved on to the next school. When you went from elementary up to junior high or middle and or middle and junior high up to high school and then on to college. I mean, how many teachers do you still talk to, associate with, and you continue to do so after all those years? And look, I know there were friends of mine. Well, okay, I shouldn't say friends of mine. I knew some people from high school that they seemed a little too close to some of the teachers, but I, I, I am under no, I would not believe that they maintained those friendships over years. Now, maybe they did, but it's rare, right? It's not the norm. It's not a critical mass. Soon after the janitors have stripped the lockers clean, rolled fresh paint on the walls, teachers will mentally and emotionally prepare for the next crop of students. You have to. That's the job. I get it. I'm not knocking teachers for recognizing, like, okay, here are the next kids. And all of these kids are unique individuals. They have their own sets of problems and challenges and, and, um, and strengths, right? So you got to prepare for the new class. And they, you know, you might remember some of the old students fondly, but that doesn't really do a lot for the kid that you've set on some medically perilous path, Right. And if that backfires, as it does in many, many, many instances, it's not going to be the seventh grade music teacher who contends with years of the damage. She's out of the picture. She just affirmed and affirmed and affirmed and then, okay, bye. For the past year, parents have been placed in the absurd situation of playing whack-a-mole with the worst excesses of woke ideology. Abigail Schreier says a book here, a curriculum there, it's exhausting, and it's a losing game of endless defense. She says time for some offense. If conservatives and liberals hope to sit, not not leftists, not progressives, liberals. If conservatives and liberals hope to save this country, this is where you need to place your energies. Campaigning, she says, for federal legislation to grant parents full access to all curricula. And no, granting parents review over sex ed materials alone does not solve the problem since the SOGI curriculum, you know what SOGI is? Or SOGI? Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity. S-O-G-I. 
That curriculum is often inserted into other areas of the curriculum or disguised as anti-bullying education. We need legislation that grants parents a right to opt out of any instruction regarding gender and sexuality and stop schools from uh, changing a child's name, their gender marker, or their pronouns without the approval of a parent or legal guardian. This has nothing to do with outing students. It has everything to do with whether a school should be allowed to hoodwink the primary locus of love and responsibility in the child's life. This debate over parental rights, it also cuts clear across demographic lines. Republican, Democrat, gay, straight. Parents have a very particular idea of what sorts of identities they're going to allow other adults to push on their kids. Those insisting that kids, or rather that teachers have to protect 7th graders from their parents, they are rarely parents themselves. What they demand is continued unmonitored access to your kids, and it's past time we stopped giving it to them. Do you know how many videos I have seen? No, of course not. I haven't told you. How many videos I have seen of teachers, for some reason, getting on TikTok and talking about how they don't care what laws are on the books or whatever restraints parents want, they don't care. They're going to talk about all of their sexual identity and, and orientation issues with your child, no matter how young. I'm amazed at how many of these teachers get on video and say these things. It's kind of disturbing. It's believe them when they tell you what they intend to do. Just a heads up. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So from Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson now to the state superintendent, Catherine Truitt. She went on to Facebook the other day and expressed her thoughts on a recent debate over a transgender student at the University of Pennsylvania who was winning a bunch of races in the pool. Charlotte Observer published a piece by Ethan Hyman. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's incorrect. This is the editorial board. My apologies. I guess Ethan Hyman might be the photographer. Maybe they had a picture. Anyway, uh, this was uh, about a week ago. And the headline of this, uh, this opinion piece is that the superintendent says trans athletes in girls' sports isn't right. That's dangerous. Uh, no, it's not, actually. It's not dangerous. Competing ideas are not dangerous. Disagreement is not dangerous. Not automatically. And you calling it dangerous just because somebody else might hear something and then might be, uh, might be urged to or feel urged to act in a certain way that's harmful to themselves, that still doesn't make it dangerous. That person is a danger to themselves because they have control over their own agency. So, no, it's not dangerous. And you should know going forward in this piece, that's the level of gaslighting that the Observer Editorial Board is engaged in, the McClatchy editors, I should say, because this is all of them in uh, Charlotte and in Raleigh. It's a combined uh, editorial board in two cities. Which is interesting, because you would have thought with two different cities represented with Raleigh and Charlotte, you would have had like twice as better opinions, but actually it's worse now. Anyway, 
Should transgender women be able to compete in women's sport? Think about just the think of the just the absurdity of the question. This gets to the the question Matt Walsh just released the full documentary about, right? What is a woman? Define that. What's a woman? And if you are having problems defining that in a way like that's other than genetic, chromosomal, right? Then you're already you're already in too deep, okay? Should transgender women be able to compete in women's sports? Why would there be a question? Why would you call them transgender women and not just women? The fact that you call them transgender women is the tell, you know. You guys realize that over there at the Observer Editorial Board when you use both of those words? Because if there's no difference, then why wouldn't you just say women? Why isn't this woman, Leah Thomas, why isn't she allowed to swim with the other women? Right? If there's no difference. Unfortunately, many Republican officials, including some in North Carolina, don't think so. Uh, hey, uh, newsflash. Many Americans don't think so. In fact, like 92% of Americans don't think so, according to that poll I mentioned earlier. You guys are not the majority opinion on this. You are the very, very, very minority opinion on this question of whether or not transgender women should be allowed to compete against other women in sports. But... They want to make it a Republican thing. Many Republican officials, including some here in North Carolina. North Carolina Department of Public Instruction Superintendent Catherine Truitt took to Facebook last week to express her thoughts on a recent debate over a transgender student at University of Pennsylvania who competed in the NCAA Women's Swimming Championship. Why is there a debate? So again, much like the earlier question, of why would you label this person as a transgender woman? Uh, woman, why not just a woman? And now Truett is saying that she's. Or you say Truett is offering her thoughts on a recent debate. Well, why is there a debate? Hmm. The student Leah Thomas came in first place in the 500-yard freestyle, making her the first known transgender athlete. The first known transgender athlete. What? Wait, are you saying there could have been other transgender athletes that have won other medals before? Really? Is that allowed? Oh, it wasn't. Why wasn't it allowed? It was actually oh, I mean, it was kind of a running joke for decades about the Soviet Union, right? That they would that they would get men to compete in the women's sports in order to win more medals because they were cheaters. That's what the joke was. So Leah Thomas became the first Division I national champ, uh, a winner of a national uh, championship in any sport. But some of Thomas's fellow swimmers, as well as angry parents, wait a minute, are they all GOP officials? Some in North Carolina, too? Are they some of those? Sounds like it. By the way, it also, yeah, it also wasn't just the 500-yard freestyle. I believe she won, like, every single race she swam in. Um, but these other people. So you say that you frame it, the editors frame this as these Republican officials, even though it's the vast majority of Americans that agree with these many Republican officials, first of all. Second of all, among the many 
Americans that agree with the many Republican officials are some of her fellow swimmers, her competitors, parents. They say it's not fair. The North Carolina High School Athletic Association's current policy allows students to compete on sports teams consistent with their gender identity. Republican lawmakers proposed a bill last year to prevent transgender girls from playing on female sports teams, but it was ultimately thrown out because there were no examples of it actually being a problem. The justification for these bans revolves around the idea that transgender women have a, quote, biological advantage over cisgender women. By the way, ladies, you loving that term? Yeah, that's... That's your new, that, yeah, that is from the vocabulary police. That is your new descriptive. Cisgender means heterosexual woman. Uh, yeah, heterosexual, not attracted to females, and, right? Straight, right? That's cisgender. And the, the justification for the ban was that m- men who transition to women have a biological advantage over the cisgender women, largely due to muscle mass and the amount of testosterone in their bodies. Science doesn't necessarily agree that testosterone inherently confers such an advantage, but that doesn't seem to matter. So the editors just hand wave all of that away. Muscle development is omitted. They they put them together at first, muscle mass and the amount of testosterone which are related, but are different. And so if you can accumulate the muscle mass first and then the testosterone goes away, well, you still have the muscle mass. You also have denser bones, right? You have, you're bigger generally. It's like just built bigger. There are advantages, but they hand wave this away. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Going over this editorial that the uh, McClatchy folks put together a couple of days back about, uh, you know, tutting the superintendent for public instruction, Catherine Truitt, who is a Republican, who is on the other side of a debate on whether or not transgender women should be able to compete with biological women in sports. And Catherine Truitt doesn't think so. She said the rules intended to protect women's sports are failing to do so, and our daughters are the ones who are unfairly impacted. This isn't right. So what is the point of having men's and women's leagues? What's the point of having them separate? What's the point of having separate scholarships, right? Andy Kaufman, legendary comedian, mocked this entire concept where he, you know, said, declared himself a woman and then entered the women's competition so he could beat the women. It's also worth noting, they say, the editors say, that the proposed bans in North Carolina last year wouldn't affect professional or even college athletics. Instead, they target young people who participate in middle or high schools. Uh, I think that's because of the sanctioning bodies. When you get to the college level, you're dealing with the NCAA, and you get to the professional level, well, you're dealing with the professional sanctioning body but in north carolina you've got the north carolina high school athletic association and the legislature right they are the seminal power they created the public school systems so they dictate the policy on that stuff so yeah that's that's their lane 
But oh, I see. Now you're what you're pointing out, like it's not even going to matter because the college and the national stuff. So okay, so we just should include that too, or so if we include college and professional, then you'll be okay with the bands? No, oh no, oh I see. So you're just pointing out it's a specious argument you're making there. Okay, but of course they say the objections surrounding sports are for some. Not really about sports. They're part of a larger attack on trans people across the country. See what they're doing? The advances that are made are, are not by conservatives. That's not the, it wasn't the right that started going after transgender folks. It's the left that forces these things to be debated. That's why I said you will be made to care. One way or another, and once you are made, you are in, you are conscripted into the fight. You are enlisted in the fight. You will be made to care, and if you don't adopt the position that they want, then you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a transphobe, and that's what this is essentially saying. They're still, if they couldn't call people names based on false assumptions, faulty premises, right, ascribing motives to people. You're the one that's setting up the gender support plans in school. And when parents are like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You're going to say that that's somehow or another an attack on trans people? I've said this before. I will say it again. I always try to make a a point to reference it as well. That I go by Pete. My name is Peter, but I go by Pete. And if I ask to be called Pete... When I introduce myself to you, I say, hey, I'm Pete. If you keep calling me Peter, at some point I'm going to assume you're trying to antagonize me, right? Which is why I don't have any problem if somebody chooses a name and an identity and they want to present themselves as a member of the opposite sex. For whatever reason, I'm not going to antagonize that person. I don't think it's nice. I I, I think it's mean. I think a lot of people approach this stuff, yes, from a... Uh, from meanness, they make fun, sure, especially in schools, especially so. However, however, if you're going to then try to force me into adopting policy or legal changes based on your desire, based on your delusion, that's the line. This is the line, as I said earlier. This is the hill I die on. I'm not... I'm not swallowing the postmodernist crap. It's not happening. Now they go on to say, Republican politicians have pushed an onslaught of draconian anti-trans measures, such as an Idaho bill that would make providing medical care to trans youth a felony. Medical care. What kind of medical care? Huh? Or a Texas directive that classifies gender-affirming care as child abuse. You see what they do? It's care. It's care. You don't know if that's care. It actually could be harm. For a lot of people, it is. And in a lot of cases, irreversible. Yeah. I don't want to get graphic. But the horror stories are terrible. They say, to be clear, Truett hasn't voiced support for such policies. But we know she's thinking it. No, they say, but signaling a need to protect women's sports is still dangerous in its own way. Again, not dangerous. Truett's failure to recognize the harm such a call can cause raises doubts about whether she has the capacity necessary to serve all students and the diversity of needs they have. By the way, 
Have you looked at the other side of the ledger there, editors? Any harm coming to other kids via the policy you prefer? Have you contemplated that? Probably not. All right. News is next. (laughs) 